Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of The Walk. I'm Father Roderick, and it's cold outside. It's winter. It is the second day of the new year, and I'm opening the gate. Normally, this gate is always open, because I always use it to um, drive up to the garage and put my car there. But a few days ago, they stole one of the bronze statues in the backyard. There's a, um, like a, a scene of two children sitting on a, uh, on a wall. Uh, and it, I think it was originally put there to symbolize the fact that this particular location is geared towards families. But unfortunately, those statuettes of two children sitting there and talking to each other um, were placed there out of sight I, from my own part of the building. I can't see them. And so apparently a couple of days ago, um, probably metal thieves have uh, sawed off one of these statues. They left the boy, they took the girl, and uh, it's probably already melted or sold to, I don't know, metal uh, scrapyards or whatever. It's a shame. But since that theft, I um, keep the the gate closed, uh, which is a bit of a hassle, but oh well, it's the least I can do. So it is uh, the second day of the new year. Hope you had a a good New New Year's Eve, and in case we haven't talked before, also a nice Christmas celebration, even though for most of us it was unlike any other Christmas that we've ever experienced. But we're starting the new year, and of course the new year brings with it the possibility of, of New Year's resolutions or uh, make some changes, make a fresh start. Of course it's uh, not linked to the new year as such. That is just something that we humans came up with. It's a social construct. <laughs> but we apparently do these things. We celebrate New Year, and it's celebrated in different cultures, sometimes on different dates, like, uh, for instance, in China. I think it's much later. But apparently there is this, uh, this need that we have to sometimes just bring closure to the life so far and then start anew. And for me, the New Year has always had that meaning. Of course, not much of a religious... Uh, meaning, but <clears throat> wait a minute I say it's the second day of the year but I think it's already the third day of the year isn't it? Wait, yes, I'm confused, sorry about that it's the third day, this is a Sunday and uh, the reason that I'm confused is of course the liturgical year is uh, not always in sync with the rest of, the <laughs> of, of, of life and so Christmas is uh, sometimes on a this year it was on a Friday, which can be basically any day. And uh, the new year can also be any day, but then the Sundays stay in place. And for me, the Sundays has always been kind of this uh, a fixed moment during the week where it's different from any other day. Because I have my duties as a priest, it's usually also a day where you kind of try to find some rest, do other stuff. Most people don't work on Sundays, although that is changing in society as well. Um, but oftentimes these, these uh, Christian days, <laughs> the Catholic 
solemnities also feel like Sundays to me. And so then I, my, my brain gets all confused, especially now that I'm still recovering. And I lose track of time and what day is it? <laughs> I know that today is Sunday uh, because I have, I have uh, international math. But anyway, it's also the beginning of a new year. And I'm walking outside here in the morning before mass. And that is new. And I've explained this already um, at, at various occasions. But in case you've missed the latest updates, uh, this year for me begins with a major shift in my responsibilities. Although time-wise, it's just a very small change. But the bishop has decided to free me up 100% for my media work. And of course, that's not just production. It's not just filming. It is, I kind of call like to call it media apostolate. Because it's reaching out. It's trying to inspire people and help them, just like a parish priest would do. The difference being that my parish members are all over the world. And uh, from very various different backgrounds. Uh, in many ways, much more diverse than the um, flock that I was um, administering before. So... What this means is that instead of working for 80% in the media, I now work 100%. And the 20% of my time that I was uh, still assisting in uh, the two parishes uh, now is also dedicated to media work. So it means I have also stopped assisting in the parishes, which is um, was not necessarily my initial intention. But uh, after talking with some people and getting some advice I've decided to uh, to step away from uh, from that weekly assistance in order to really be able to focus and to have my full attention uh, directed to towards what I do for this for this international flock or, or semi-parish which includes of course a Sunday celebration so most people were very surprised because I, I couldn't talk about this beforehand. And if you've listened to previous episodes, you may have heard me say that multiple times. You know, I wish I could tell you what, what's going on, but I can't because I'm not allowed to, spot, to speak about it. Well, that, that was also true uh, for my parishioners. They, um, most of them did not see this coming at all. Um, and for most of them... Even the, the fact that I was working in the media was something that was... They vaguely were aware of that. At least some of them knew that I had my TV show and I did that thing with podcasting or whatever it's called. <laughs> but um, for most people, I was just that priest that would be in church on Sundays. And a lot of people have no idea what priests do for the rest of the week. So... To a lot of them, this came as a shock, and there were uh, many uh, confused reactions. Like, wow, that is, that's going to be a big loss. Um, also, a lot of personal heartwarming messages of uh, um, gratitude for the work that I've done in the parishes <clears throat> for um, how many years now? I don't know, about like 16... 
15, 16 years. When did, when did I start here? 2005? No, 2003. Wow, I've been here for a long time. Um, a few people were were mad or, I don't know, irritated. It's like, uh, And not even my parishioners, but mostly people that read it on Twitter or Facebook and then um, a newspaper wrote about it. And they're like, well, how can you leave the parish? How can you stop? Like one newsletter or one newspaper framed it as Father Roderick stops doing pastoral work. And I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Everything I do is pastoral, is taking care of people and helping them. And But I, I guess it's coming from this, this kind of old-fashioned uh, idea that uh, pastoral work only counts if it is parish work. Whereas, at the same time, I think a lot of people agree with me to, to uh, saying that parish work in its current form is not going to survive and will have to be reformed in one way or another, at least in this part of the world. And we will... Uh, some people running here and on their bikes. It's always busy on Sunday morning. Um, it's, uh, most people agree that in order to, to reach out and form new communities, we will also have to find new ways to do that. And, well, the fact that my bishop has validated my efforts to do that, to do that via media, old-fashioned traditional media on television and also newer forms of media, um, I think is a sign that we're onto something. And it's more than being onto something. I know that, that it works. I know that I have a, a, a community of friends from all over the world, most of which I've never met, but that I still can help. And, and they can help me. It's, it's both ways. That's one of the wonderful things about this new form of, of, of outreach is that I'm just as much the receiver as the giver. So... Um, but people who only have that kind of fixed idea of what a priest should do and what the church should do, they were irritated. And uh, uh, how, how can you step away from the parishes when there are so few priests? And uh, this, of course, is something that I've been thinking about for years. And I'm more and more I've come to the conclusion that no matter how hard you work, and I've worked really hard during my time as a priest, there will always be more work that you can do. There are always still going to be communities that feel uh, that they're on the short end of things. The church can never fulfill all the needs. Um, and I, I think it's, it's a mistake to focus on everything you can't do anymore but instead, what really matters is what is God's priority right now. Um, Jesus didn't send out 5,000 apostles. <laughs> he sent out a couple, you know, and then even wasted personnel on, by sending them two by two. He could have reached twice the amount of, of communities, do twice the amount of traveling if only he had sent them out one by one instead of two by two. What a waste. What a, what a stupid decision. Well, it's Jesus who is uh, in charge here. <laughs> and oftentimes, his way of thinking 
and his plan is not it's not what we would do because we don't have the same perspective we don't see the bigger picture i'm recording this on the feast of the epiphany and of course it's the feast of the uh, wise man coming from the east and I've, I've i've been thinking what makes them wise it's not that they know everything it's not that they um are great planners or managers or scientists what makes them wise is that they're open that they're looking at the sky at in a direction that transcends them for a bigger plan for a, a journey beyond their imagination and once they see a trace of that no matter how irrational it may have seemed seemed to uh, the, the people that they lived with they followed that and they discovered so many things that they could have never imagined uh, and 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 it makes them change their lives their way they turn they return home via another uh, itinerary and so to me that that is what wisdom is truly about and if we are supposed to be like the Virgin Mary uh, something that we celebrated on the first day of the year and we use her as an example her wisdom too is in opening herself to God's plan and uh, to obey that plan and, and be ready to serve without really knowing how exactly that will come about. That is true wisdom. That's where why Mary is often depicted as the seat of wisdom, where she's uh, sitting on a chair like a teacher, and in her hands is not a book, but it's the Word of God itself. It's Jesus who's sitting on her lap. Because it's all about following him. So anyway, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad that I've, I went through all these uh, debates before, at least in my, in my head, and uh, that I'm, I'm used to, to, to try to think outside the box and, and, and try to look for new ways to do things. So this year is going to be, for me, another occasion, I think, to further develop that new direction. Instead of having this kind of double loyalty towards the old way of doing things, and there is nothing wrong with it, let, let me be clear, because I sometimes get um, feedback from, from listeners that tell me, well, but you always seem to poo-poo the, the, the traditional humble parish work but it, it's, it's not about that it, it has worked really well for a long time and it still works for those that are um, helped by that form of, of community and, and that organization but let's be honest for most people including Catholics it doesn't work anymore and you can blame Catholics. Why don't they go to church? Why don't they step in line with how it was always done? But you can, always ask, you can also ask yourself, well, if they don't come to us, what do you do? <laughs> you know, being mad about it and, and blaming them is not going to change them. It's not going to change you. Uh, it's not going to help the church. It's not going to help God. So what do you do? You reach out and you try to reach them in a different way. So... Uh, for me, that's going to be um, the, the major shift is uh, 
I'm stepping away from a form of um, of priesthood. It's not just a form. It's just a way in which you work as a priest. Hey, little doggy. <laughs> he's got a tennis ball in his in his mouth, so he's unable to bark or uh, or bite me. <laughs> he's just wagging his tail, so I think he. Uh, he was hoping that I would play with him. Wow, there is a there's quite a crowd here in the woods. Families walking with their kids, couples walking side by side. And when you see that there is uh, social distancing, you know that the, those people are not family, but probably friends or colleagues. There's an entire family that's uh, walking in the woods with a little toddler who's probably just, has just learned how to walk. And is now uh, uh, assisted by his uh, by his three sisters, so that the, so that he doesn't fall. <laughs> it's cute. So um, the, the, I'm I'm really moving towards something instead of stepping away from something. But uh, I have to say that it feels it feels good, and it, that sounds a bit touchy-feely <laughs> because it should also be a rational decision but for me in the way I feel about something and about decisions is an indication of it being the right thing to do uh, this has to do with discernment I, I you you wouldn't believe how much time I spent pondering about this uh, doubting myself uh, being extremely anxious about this step because I, I asked the bishop to, uh, to grant me the ability to work full-time in, in media. Um, and at first, it didn't seem to going to work out. Uh, I got lots of signals from the diocese that they would keep the situation as it was. So I kind of almost forgot about this request. And then at the end of the summer, I got the confirmation that, yes, the bishop was uh, agreeing with me that this was the right thing to do. So, um, and then, of course, I got anxious and started worrying, and especially the reaction in, of the people in charge in the parish was not very encouraging, and still isn't very encouraging. Uh, I've, I think that they feel that I've abandoned them or something like that, but immediately they changed their behavior, and so all of a sudden I was no longer part of the team, and since I was running this business, well, they could just uh, see me as a commercial partner who wanted to rent spaces. And uh, they started to indicate that they wanted to up the rent for my apartment from, what is it, 750 that I pay? And I, I pay everything myself, right? I, there's, I don't get sponsored by the bishop or anything. I work for my wages and my income, my salary, is exactly the same like any other priest. Um, but they chose to believe that I had this incredible income and that I was running a, a, a you know, high-profit business for some reason. Was that a dog? Yeah, these dogs are playing. And so they, they've, they started to talk about raising the rent to you know, 2,500 euros per month. 
from 750 to 2,500 to for the same, the same situation. And uh, I don't know. I'm just not going to go... To, to, I'm not going to dwell too much on it. But I was very disappointed that apparently, you know, for them it didn't matter that much anymore where I lived or didn't really care about what I... Uh, what I try to also offer to the communities here, because the International Mass, for instance, that is also open to parishioners. Um, it's a service for the entire region. And my work reaches tons of parishioners, uh, of current parishioners, and, and hopefully inspires them as well. But apparently that no longer counts for some people. So I struggled with that. I, I felt felt a bit rejected discarded like oh phew, you're no longer of use for us well then we'll make sure that at least you're of financial use to us and otherwise you'll just have to get out of here and uh, one of my greatest anxieties was that if i if i can't live here anymore uh because i it's ridiculous of course i can't pay uh, 2500 per month that's more than my income <laughs> and you know well, anyway uh, but it would mean that I would have to move to a completely different region because this area of the country is very expensive if you want to rent, um, unless you have a very, very low income or you could make, maybe could get some subsidies. But even for, for uh, houses that are more for people with uh, small incomes, there are waiting lists that are sometimes 10 years. And of course, being a priest, being a parish priest, I've never been on any waiting list nor did I ever intend to you know buy my own house or rent a flat or something like that so it would mean and that that's where my anxiety comes from it would mean moving to a different part of the of the country leaving behind everything that I build up including the people that I work with on a daily basis the people that help me organize and uh, air mass uh, that helped me with production and administration. My entire board is located here in this area of the, of the country. It would mean a total reset of everything I do, having to build it up from the ground. And that would set me back tremendously. Plus, I don't really even know where to go. <laughs> so... Because this is new. The bishop decided this just a few months ago. And th th we've only been able to, to uh, tell people a few days ago. So anyway. But I have to be wise and step away also from this anxiety. Um, and trust that whatever this change brings about... I have to embrace it. I have to own it. So, uh, I think I've explained this in one of the previous episodes. Uh, I have a tendency to blame others. And to blame the world and fate and God, maybe, for the things that I don't like. But that's not going to help anyone. And so, the way to go is to just embrace the situation and look for the, what's possible. And maybe also look for the bigger picture and bigger plan. So, it could very well be that... God allows this situation because he has different plans than I have. I don't know. But 
long story short, this is a time of discernment, or at least the previous months have been a, a time of discernment. I've always learned that God helps you to find His will by uh, how you feel about certain situations. What is that? Is that a bike? I thought it was a bike coming behind me. That's a downside of uh, <laughs> of hearing myself back through the microphone. This uh, recorder is super sensitive, so it picks up all the ambient noise, which also creates atmosphere, of course, and uh, it, it makes the walk what it is. It's You're here with me walking through the woods, and you hear lots of things, but sometimes you hear it <laughs> clearer than reality, so a bike may be... Uh, a kilometer away, I already pick it up with this microphone. Um, I'm glad it's not raining, by the way. This would be all muddy. This is uh, for horses, and well, now it's for podcasters as well. So, uh, the listening to how you're you're feeling about if it is bringing you distress and fear, and you know it's. It's probably you're still not doing what God wants you to do. When you feel at peace, when you, when you feel like this is this is the way, <laughs> when you feel like a ma- true Mandalorian, that's probably when when you're on to what God wants you to do because He wants to bring you peace. He's the Prince of Peace, and so peace is a good indicator. Peace of heart is a good in- indicator that you did the right thing. Downside of discerning when it comes to the will of God is that only. Oftentimes, only afterwards, you get confirmation that it was the right thing. You have to make that leap of faith. And that's what I did. I I knew that I had to ask this. I did not know if my bishop would agree with me. He did. And so that's confirmation that my my intuition was that my hunch was not just my idea, because that's what the church is for also, you know, to to confirm and to uh, strengthen your resolve. And so once he had made that decision, I had to embrace it, including all the consequences, including all the unforeseen consequences. Because you not you never know what your choices will will lead to. Uh, you, you can you can try to foresee what happens, but you can't always predict in advance what one choice will 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 ultimately result in uh, after a few days, weeks, months, years. So in this case, this whole housing situation um, and how people would react was not something that I could calculate. I just didn't expect it, and so it it uh, creates another um, time of discernment for me. So what what now? And of course, you know, it doesn't mean that it's going to be the worst case scenario. Uh, I, even though I've, I've had some sleepless nights about this and still have. But I always tell myself, you can imagine the worst case scenario. <laughs> and maybe you're right. You have to kind of... Uh, uh, if, you, if, if embracing... The consequences of your choice also can also mean embracing the negative consequences of your choice. But you can also think about the best case scenario. What will happen when all of a sudden people have a change of heart? 
or we'll listen to arguments and be reasonable and we can strike a deal. That's also possible. One way or another, it's going to move you forward. But complaining about it and blaming the world and people and yourself or God is not going to help you in any way, shape or form. So roll with the punches. I'm so glad I I read a couple of those uh, books lately that I shared with you, at least partially. (laughs) You know, the the Scottish guy, forgot his name. uh, His books have been uh, really helpful because they're actually just very down-to-earth advice. Don't complain. Yes, life sometimes doesn't go the way you want it, and that is terrible. But that's part of life. What matters is what do you do with it? And can you pick a new direction? And even if you don't if you, even if you're not sure, it's better to choose something than to do nothing. So that's, you know, I I feel encouraged by that to just take this year as a year that's going to be very adventurous and at least now I am in charge of a number, well, of my mission. I can make 100% choices uh, without having to constantly uh, weigh that against the, the needs and sometimes decrees of the local parishes. And, uh, and I think that is, that's pretty important at this point in my life. So, let's go into specifics because you know new year's resolutions are basically useless (laughs) they never work why because in general we're not very specific we don't prepare them we don't have a plan of action we don't measure we don't evaluate so for me it's much more uh, about making some changes that can um can turn into routines. This is about uh, about tweaking, not well. It, when it when it comes up, when 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 it's about health, when it's about your productivity, etc. It's much more important to make these small changes that can, in the end, make a big difference than to dream up, you know, a big revolution in your life. Um, so, for instance, let's start with health. I'm in bad shape. I know that. I'm recovering from COVID. I have little energy, um, which results in me not walking enough or I can't do sports. That would be too dangerous right now with my heart all over the place. Um, And so, and with all the stress, sleepless nights, I've gained way too much weight. And it's, you know, the trend is not good. So what can I do? Well, that's where journaling helps me to keep track of things. So that may be the biggest change that I hope I can uh, I can uh, make make last for for the foreseeable future is to start my day and end my day with a few minutes of journaling. I use a day one app, which is widely used, just a free version. And I, uh, I write on my iPad because I have that uh, keyboard now attached to it. So it's, it's easy to just place it anywhere I am during breakfast or 
even in the kitchen, and I can just uh, take a few minutes and jot down some thoughts. So, for uh, there was one question that came up. So, the, the, the app has templates, but it also will ask you questions from time to time. So, the question was, uh, what, uh, what can you do to improve your situation this year? And I was thinking about health. So I was like, or what is one habit you can change or one thing you can change that will benefit you this year? And I immediately wrote down, I have to stop eating after dinner. That is my biggest pitfall is when I'm tired in the evening and I sit down to watch a movie. I start snacking and that is always... The, the time that my resolve is lowest and I'm kind of done with the day and that's where oftentimes I'll start uh, emotional eating because I'm frustrated and I'm anxious and then uh, it's it, it, I use food as a pacifier so that would be an important it's a small change, it's super simple stop eating after dinner and I know from my experiences with the fasting uh, intermittent fasting, that one of the ways in which you can do that is by eating a very, um, uh, what is it, protein-rich uh, diet, at least for dinner. And so to use uh, eggs and uh, eat yogurt and that sort of stuff, because that will give you a, a, a feeling of, of being full and it won't, it, it will dampen the trigger to eat. So that's just that, and that's going to be it. And then uh, for, the, for the rest, I'm just going to trust the process. I'm going to be working on my health with my physical therapist. So that will probably be a long-term thing. I, I won't be running a marathon anytime soon. I think I'm still on the list for the Marathon of Rotterdam, and that's going to be in October. Hopefully by then. I'll be my, my, my old self again. Or my old self. My new self. I don't want to become my old self. That's in the past. <laughs> but I'm definitely going to be stronger and, uh, and fit, hopefully. But that's kind of out of my reach. I can't all of a sudden start working out for hours and hours every day, which normally would be what I would do in order to get back to a healthy, um, healthy weight. So I'm just taking out what's the calorie intake. And I've also gotten into the habit of doing a, a short walk every day like this one. You know, actually it's usually about an hour. Although my therapist tells me to, if you can walk for an hour, walk 45 minutes. It's all about doing less than the maximum. I have this show that I do for the patrons, as you know. It's called Father Roderick to the Max. I should probably rename it for the time being into Father Roderick to the 75%. <laughs> because I'm not supposed to go to the max. But uh, I'm committed to obeying my therapists because I think they have more experience than I have. Um, speaking of my physical therapist and, and also the occupational therapist um, they've insisted on me taking it slower and both of them have uh, have concluded based on 
what I tell them about how I work and how I lead my life that I'm working way too much and it is uh, it's impeding my progress when it comes to recovery so the occupational therapist has told me work with intervals so work two hours and then you have to take 20 minutes of total rest lay down do uh, some awareness exercises uh, pray the rosary whatever you need to do to completely focus on the here and now shut out all these thoughts and ideas and because all that will generate uh, adrenaline which is not helpful right now <laughs> and uh, also work less I think I did I did I share that with you what she told me so it's basically in Dutch it's the letters P-R-E-T which means joy um, I, I apologize if I've already mentioned this but my brain is a bit fuzzy so um, P means planning that is why journaling is right now so helpful because it's this constant reminder every at the beginning of the morning to make a planning and to jot down the three essential things that I want to do and then some tasks it helps me to not overload my day-to-day schedule. So planning. R is rest. Just as important as planning is to plan in moments of rest and recovery. That's not just the 20 minutes, but it's also take more rest than normal. I'll get to uh, the practical implication of that when it comes to my week schedule. E is eliminate. You have to eliminate anything that's not essential. That was the hardest thing to do. To decide to stop doing a number of projects. Like before the end of the year, the original plan was that I would produce a children's series with uh, Mariette, who is a parishioner of mine, but also a very gifted children's book author. And uh, we would produce a... um, like a Sesame Street type of series for kids that are currently in lockdown, can't go to church, but you still want to help them uh, with weekly videos about faith. And uh, it's a wonderful project. We have a, a partner that funds the project for us and with us, but it's also something we've never done before. I've never produced a puppet show. <laughs> and uh, the budget would also enable us to hire extra people with that, like uh, uh, filmmakers or uh, puppeteers. Uh, We also had budget for the production of puppets. And the only thing that we didn't have budget, that I didn't have budget for, was energy and time. And so because of this recovery process, I decided uh, to not, to well, to postpone this project. I it's so hard something that I'm excited about that I feel would be really useful especially in this time uh, during COVID to not do it and to just let go and wait for a better moment when I have more energy so eliminate but also elimination means uh, stop stop other things like I 
I oftentimes have wonderful ideas about, oh, I wish I could do uh, TikTok videos because it's such a booming platform and I know what I w- would like to do. And then I have to stop myself like, no extra projects right now because it sounds easy, you know, make these one minute videos, but it's not. It will take you hours to do one video. I know myself. It's the same with YouTube. Um, I kind of didn't even plan to do a reaction video to the season finale of The Mandalorian uh, because I felt that, you know, now is not the time. It would cost me too much effort to put it together, to edit it. I'm a perfectionist. And thankfully, Hank was filming me. With that. We didn't coordinate that at all. But he had his uh, iPhone, so he filmed my reaction. And I put that online. And, of course, it was super successful. People seem to love watching me react to Star Wars. And so that went viral, or more, more or less viral. I think it's now 75,000 views, which is pretty decent for, for my YouTube channel. And that, of course, kind of awakens my desire to grow my YouTube channel. But again, eliminate things that are not essential right now. That's something maybe for later, but not for now. And so it's that's the biggest discipline that I... Um, what do you do with disciplines? You put that on yourself? <laughs> I don't even know. But anyway, I try to be really rigorous about that and not step here on the path for bikes. Cars are on my left. But I never know, because I'm recording, I'm going to walk on the left side of this, uh, of this biking track so that people that come from behind at least pass me by on the right side. Um, it's, it feels like a, a, a huge deprivation that I can't run around doing whatever crosses my mind. But it's the, for me, it's the only way to keep things in line and to tame my 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 <laughs> uh, creative brain so eliminate it also meant part well one of the reasons that I decided to retire to uh, step away from parish assistance is this same it's the same reasons eliminate what is not essential to your mission no matter how valuable it is in itself. And, <laughs> I, well, that's something that I, I've always struggled with. But I feel that I have more impetus than ever before to keep things small and uh, to focus on a few things and do those few things really well and then take extra time to recover. And then the final letter of that advice that she gave me is T and what was T? I forget it again. What was it? Pa- uh, planning, rest, eliminate. Oh, tempo. T-, T is for tempo. So, um, and that too is important advice for me. I'm always an overachiever. Um, if you tell me you got to work eight hours I work 16 (laughs) Uh, if I could if I take a bike 
I go as fast as I can. Uh, walking, same thing. I go for a walk. I do two hours when my therapist tells me 45 minutes. So, tempo. Slow down. Do That was a bike. A very fast one as well. Uh, slow down. And take more time than normal. Uh, and, and of course, in order to be able to do that, you have to plan. So for editing, for instance, instead of doing a show in one day, I've got to take at least two days for that. I don't know exactly how to slow the tempo for the TV production. So I've been thinking about that a bit this morning. Uh, but I, I think it is about... It's, uh, what matters is that I do one show per week, max. And then um, hire someone to do the editing. That's a costly decision, but I have to do it. At least for now. That will free me up to focus on some light editing. One of the things that I can't uh, transfer is a series that I'm currently making about my trip to, through China because that's a story that I, I have to write myself can't just give that to an editor because he will only have like uh, footage that has no story but the regular episodes I can, I can easily uh, hand that over to Hugo or Erwin or you know, maybe I'll find some new editors as well in the future. And yeah, well, I will make less money, but it is not my money anyway. So, but it's gonna uh, the the costs. Where did I read that the other day? If the cost of something you do is your health, then the price is too high. So, yeah, that's that's good advice. So, let, to wrap things up, because I'm heading back home uh, to prepare for Mass. What does this mean for my week planning? This is another thing that I learned uh, on YouTube. Another fruit, by the way, of journaling, is I write down what I've learned every day. So, I was watching this uh, YouTube video. It wasn't even a video. Well, it has a lot of stock. It had a lot of stock footage. But it was, I think, a summary of a podcast recording about productivity. And I, I wrote down a number of lessons that I learned, but there was one thing that struck me and that I'd never heard here that I never heard before. And that was um, to, to uh, plan according to three types of days. And one type of day was focus, a focus day. Yeah, focus days. You have rest days and you've got uh, buffer days so the idea is you can't always be laser focused, you can't work every single day You're, that's just not how we are made, we, our brain needs to rest, you need to do other things as well um, the variety and the rest is going to improve your productivity, I think that's true that's something that I've experienced many times before if I over prepare the result is usually not not the best sometimes it's better for me to go out for a walk and then preach 
than to sit down and try to write down a homily. I did that for the 1st of January. I was like, okay, I'm just going to write down my homily. And it didn't work. Why? Because I was probably sitting at a desk and I never prepare my homilies like that. So, um, the... The, the idea of, of this uh, of this podcast was uh, try to alternate these different types of days. So, I sat down this morning and wrote a first draft of my week schedule, which consists of the following types of days. Focus days, Monday and Tuesday. I'll take two focus days. Normally, I'd work 40 hours a, day, uh, a week. Uh, for the time being, while I'm in recovery, I'm going to work 30 hours per week. So I can uh, have uh, two hours every day. Is that correct? Yeah, five, uh, five working days, more or less. So that gives me two hours extra time to recover and to rest in between the um, sprints. So Monday, Tuesday, focus days. I'm going to dedicate those as much as I can to editing. Um and I kind of have that under control. I know that I, I can more or less produce one episode in two days. So then Wednesday, it's going to be a day of rest. And I wrote down, it's forbidden to work on Wednesdays. So it's absolute rest. It's not, I'll record a podcast, I'll do this, I'll do that. No, it's rest. It means doing fun stuff. Not think about work. Don't even sit at your desk. Thursday is going to be another day of focus, but this time I'm going to dedicate that to filming. So that's the day that I go out with my cameras and my bike, and I film a couple of interviews and footage. Um, and that's that's it. Only once per week I will do that because it's extremely strenuous. It is uh, physically extremely taxing. So one day more than enough and if if it's too much I'll hire someone to film it for me so that I only have to focus on interviewing people then Friday is a buffer day the buffer days are days meant to catch up on everything else that you can't get done because you're too focused on your essential tasks but in the meantime you still have to pay your bills you have to answer email I have to uh, plan my interviews so that's what I will do on Fridays. I'll get through my inbox. I, um, I, I do, it's still work-related, but it's the small stuff. It's the breadcrumbs. It's, a, <laughs> it's a maintenance. And that has to be done as well. Plus, it's planning and preparation. So Friday is also going to be the day that I look ahead. And uh, the advantage of uh, arranging interviews on Friday for the next Thursday is that it gives people more time to think about it and it's not last minute like it's been for a, a, um, a couple of times which is not a good way to work and then I had Saturdays and Sundays and I'm like well normally I'd say those are rest days days of rest it's the weekend but not for me it's never been um, but I don't want to work all day long either so I've decided for the time being to make those half-focus, half-recovery days. Which means I will only work one part of the day, limited tasks, so on Saturdays, 
I will, um, I don't even know what I was going to do on Saturdays. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, I wrote it down in my notebook, so I'll, uh, I'll find it. Maybe YouTube production? No, it couldn't be that. Well, maybe it was. Or, no, 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 I think I decided if Thursday is my filming day, that's also when I have to film whatever I do on YouTube. Maybe Saturday's podcasting day. I don't know. I'll look it up. But anyway, half a day. And then I have to do other stuff. Reading, playing video games, etc. Whatever. If, as long as it's not working. And uh, I think I'm going to spend most of my Saturday um, being outside. You know, riding my bike, walking. Uh, I can do a little bit more on Saturdays than I can do during the week. Sundays, same thing. Half focus, half recovery. Which means the work on Sundays is this. Going for a walk, recording... uh, uh, the walk, I'll, I'll, I'll try to do that on Sundays. I, I kind of like this uh, uh, this moment of the week. It's, it's uh, quiet. I don't have much on my on my mind. And then it's mass. It's a mass at uh, 12.30, which means right now it is in uh, about 20 minutes. And that's, well, that, that is already quite taxing, the mass itself, because it's switching between languages, preaching, etc., uh, posting it also, putting it up online. Um, and that's it. And then after that, I'm done for the day. And it's all about rest. Which for me, rest also means don't don't stuff your day with social uh, things. Because I'm still an introvert. And I need my time to recharge. And being with, even with friends, i got to be careful with that. Because it, it, it still takes away a lot of energy. Um, and then there's one other thing, and this is more like a general, uh, uh, what is it, rhythm for my days. So right now I want to go to bed and wake up at fixed times. It's going to be 6 o'clock in the morning. First hour is going to be dedicated to strength, to uh, building up strength, which means walking over time, maybe also do more exercise, but I have to wait for my therapist to uh, green light that. Um, praying, meditating, whatever helps me to uh, prepare for the day to, uh, for the day ahead. And then I'll do uh, two sessions in the morning of work with a pause, and then one in the afternoon. Uh, and then five o'clock, I'll stop whatever I'm doing. I don't care if the work is done or not. I will no longer go over that line, and I will read. So it's it's a priority for me to take one hour every day to read about 100 pages, and then I'll have a little bit of leeway. It's more important for me to read 100 pages than to read it exactly in, uh, in one hour. And then I have dinner, and then, again recovery time it's don't work don't read email don't sit at your desk i will play video games or build lego or whatever and i'm going to be extremely strict with myself no matter the consequences um so it could very well be that i'm not going to meet deadlines so 
at least if I if I approach it the way I did before uh, Christmas. Um, so in order to safeguard that, I may have to uh, bring in some help. If I can't do a TV episode in two days of editing, I have to hire someone to do it for me. I have to. But what I can change, well, what I don't want to change, is this rhythm, is this schedule, is this planning. Because the planning is it's not by accident that I, that is the first task that my occupational therapist gave me planning because without planning everything else uh, falls uh, falls apart and you will not get better and right now getting better is my top priority because it's the foundation for all the rest all right that's what i wanted to share with you this morning i've been walking for 56 minutes so uh yeah i should have stopped 10 minutes ago oh well um that's part of the part of the process also you know i will fail sometimes um but that's not that the system is broken i'll just have to try again next time um i'm gonna prepare for mass hope you have a wonderful day hope uh, you make some good plans for this uh, new year and uh we'll stay in touch if you're a patron thanks so much for your help if you want to become one patreon.com slash father see you later bye bye <laughs>